0: Hello everybody, welcome back, uh, and uh, this is David, uh, I'm with uh, Darren, and we're just going to do a real quick after show, um, so that was an interesting discussion, to say the least. Uh, you, uh, you still alive over there, Darren?
1: Oh yeah, just following up. I, you know, I had some questions, but I didn't want to... Jump in and de- derail the conversation they were having. So.
0: Oh, all I wanted to do was jump in and derail the conversation. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I felt so lost, and I, I, I'm not doing this from my comfy chair. So I'm my office. So I'll just give a brief description of it. It's a pretty good size room, uh, you know, for an apartment anyway. Um, and my desk is about mm, four four feet, four by two and a half thereabouts. And um, that's kind of sitting over on one side, one kind of corner of the room. And then in another corner, uh, next to me, is a comfy, lazy boy-like reclining chair in uh, my notebook. And sometimes I do my podcasts from over there with my microphone set up, hooked up to my notebook. Today, I'm in my desk, uh, at my desk, in my desk chair. It's not nearly as comfortable, and I just, I just wanted to get it over with i just i'm sorry in my in my comfy chair i could have snoozed not here (laughs) not here so um i also uh wasn't kidding at the end of well i was kidding but i wasn't kidding i wasn't exaggerating about how lost i got um through this conversation i mean honestly there was after about the first five minutes (laughs) i'm thinking should i have paid more attention in chemistry uh, because I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know. I don't know these words, and I can't look them up fast enough.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things that um, it's a, it's like everything else. It's a vocabulary that you have to learn if you want to actually do any studies for the the shroud. And unfortunately, the shroud proponents can use. I mean, I guess both sides can use the language to. Sort of mislead or um, just say things that aren't true that, and no one picks it up because they just don't understand the vocabulary.
0: Yeah, I mean, the jargon is so thick, uh, and I it made me wonder. You know, is this really what it takes to uh, be reasonable to have a reasonable opinion about the shroud? Because what we just uh, listened to between both Teddy. Uh, and Hugh, I would not say that one was, you know, more prepared than the other. They were both highly prepared for this conversation. Yeah, they both did a good job. Yeah, they, they did a great job. Uh, great job, Teddy. I, I don't say that enough, but in the, I think this was your best performance um, because you were talking gobbledygook that no one understands. Uh, when you talk about things people understand, <laughs> it doesn't seem as great, but now <laughs> you, seem, you seem really, um, really in your. Um, your uh, territory there. So I, I uh, do want to acknowledge that. But what I was, what I was saying is um, honestly, if, if the average person is just trying to figure out whether belief in the shroud is reasonable or not reasonable, what we just heard was at the very least an associate's level degree program. And we only dealt with the t- very tip of a very tiny iceberg.
1: Yeah, and it's actually worse than that because going into the details of what th- actually is happening with the shroud doesn't say anything at all about the reasonableness of uh, believing that it's a supernatural event because it's the logic behind, the, um, behind what you do with those facts that determines whether it's reasonable to believe it's uh, the shroud or not. So, um, I mean, the, all the details are great and you have to actually dig. Go, go down and dig deep, deep into them, but that 's not really what determines reasonableness
0: yeah well i so i, I just I just want to hammer home the point whenever uh, because it's a, it's a theme of mine that comes up from time to time when I was debating Dale um, every week this was This was a theme that came up a lot it, you know we all know that Dale's a very smart guy, and uh, Dale does a lot of research and it 's very easy. Uh, for Dale to start talking over you, uh, over your, over your head, um, because he's going so deeply in it, uh, and he he doesn't realize it. I don't, I don't think he well Sometimes he probably does it on purpose, but I don't, I don't think he was trying to most of the time. And I, I think that he was doing his best to say, "Yes, well, this is complicated stuff, and I want to help elevate you," <laughs> rather than you know he wasn't good at coming down to your level, but he. He did his best to try to bring us up to his level, but i'm my, my complaint is, if this is the level you've got to get to to understand it, I'm already out I'm, i' I can't especially with with regard to the shroud because I've read a lot of shroud stuff. I've watched a lot of shroud videos. I've listened to a lot of discussions like this um and it see, it all seems to be like this. And it just seems like, well, if this is the level that you've got to be in just to be in the conversation and have an opinion, you've already left most of us behind. Is, is that your experience or is there another way to absorb the shroud that's more of a shroud for dummies type level?
1: Um, there's two answers to that. I mean, yes and no. The, if you want to get into the facts of the situation, you really do have to understand the science involved um, and what's going on. And if you want to talk from a place of um, knowledge from everything that's going on, I mean, the Shroud does cover a lot of, um, a lot of different scientific endeavors. Um, and then there's also the fact that none of that really matters um none of the none of the science none of the um, uh, none of the details none of them actually matter because when you're when you're being asked to believe something you are you are either believing it because of of the facts actually represents what you're trying to prove in this case that the um, shroud is a supernatural thing or they don't, but no one's ever been able to give a reliable method to actually demonstrate supernatural causation um, is like when you asked uh, Teddy, the, the question about what her idea is on how the shroud was made shroud authentic uh authenticists i'm not sure what the term they were using where there was but anyways those that promote the shroud as being authentic they never provide a mechanism for how the shroud was created uh, they never give a super they never demonstrate that the supernatural is real that it's capable of uh producing a shroud um I mean, none of that. And so you they you have this situation where they're criticizing the science that the science can't come up with a way that it could have been done naturally, but yet they can't come up with a way that it could have been done supernaturally either.
0: So... Well, that, that was actually, that's one of the problems that I have uh, with all this. So a lot of the Christians that I've been um, interacting with lately... Uh, Try to kind of move away from the nameless, hand wavy magic, uh, and say that God acts within nature. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when uh, a star forms, they don't say it's magic. Uh, you know, as if they were a Bronze Age uh, stargazer. They they talk about the formation of stars and just talk about how God did His work uh, through uh, through nature. Uh, and so I at least expect, uh, you know, the, the authenticists to have some kind of idea of the natural mechanism. So I, I at least appreciate the people who have the radiation theories, because at least at least they're talking a nature that we can understand. Right,
1: but when that happens, then they're also demonstrating that... The uh, shroud is not supernatural at the same time. <laughs> because if we can't find any natural mechanisms to create the, the shroud and God works through natural mechanisms to create the shroud, then that's also accord- using their logic that, uh, that they're using. If we can't find a mecha- the natural mechanism, then that's you know that rules out God too. if he's using natural mechanisms to create the shroud. So, I mean, even if you take that approach to miracles, using the Shroud proponent's logic, it completely discounts the Shroud as being authentic.
0: Yeah, I I just, I, it's really hard for me to get on board with any explanation that's, there's no explanation at all. It's just all hand-wavy. Well, it's magic, uh, is how it happened. And so that, that kind of leaves me a little cold. I Hmm. only wrote down three notes. Um, throughout that entire conversation, mostly because I only knew how to spell three words uh, <laughs> that, were, that were used in it. Uh, but, but they were really quick. Did you, uh, did you take any notes uh, at all? Yeah, I took
1: a couple, but yeah, I didn't get past three.
0: Yeah, so um, I, had, I, I had written down three notes, and then I had written a number four, and I just let it sit there. For <laughs> for like an hour and a half, because I gave up. But um, my questions were really sim- simplistic that I wanted to go back to. So the first one, uh, maybe. oh yeah, uh, my uh, my objection in the opening argument, um, I'm 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 fine that they are both on the same page with that. But I just wanted to revisit it for a moment because as as, as someone who used to care about the theology, anyway, uh, that explanation would have never flown. It wouldn't have flown in my church. It wouldn't have flown in my my days as a theist. Uh, that well, John just made it up. I mean, I think I recall um, Hugh saying, "Yeah, John wasn't there. <laughs> he's, mm-hmm. he's no eyewitness. He just—I I don't think he knew what he was talking about. He just made it up." And <laughs> you know, I, I think you sacrifice too much uh, there because from my perspective if I am a Bible centric uh, believer who's trying to wrap my mind around the shroud and in the first 10 minutes uh, you know the Christians are saying ah John Guy just made it up I don't think that that would speak to me
1: (laughs) at at all at that point (laughs) Yeah, I've never actually understood that line of argument from Christians, um, because if John just made it up, then what's then you don't have any um, any indication that John knew anything more than Mark or Paul or any of these other guys exactly. that wrote the the Bible. So if John just wrote it up, made it up, then why didn't the rest of them just make it up right. too? I mean,
0: why wouldn't we believe any other? Uh, shroud stories in the Bible. If if that one, and by the way, John is is a fairly sacred book for uh, Christians. Uh, oftentimes, uh, they will use John as the book for you know if if you're looking into Christianity, just read the book of John. This is a it, it's a very sacred book. Uh, And it is sacred even among the Gospels. And to just kind of throw John away, just throw John under the bus for this one thing, um, you know, what would what would it have happened had the shroud of of Turin, excuse me, uh, looked more like John's depiction, Uh, several strips and then a face covering? Then what would we have said about the other descriptions then in the Bible? You know, it's uh it, it seems to be an unsalvageable position the moment you say that the most reliable gospel writer, uh and most beloved of the gospel writers just made the story up. Uh because now I you you know, you ask about the other gospels. Well, what about the shroud itself then? What about the legends of the shroud? They're just maybe they're just making it up too or just you know trying to follow whichever of the gospel writers they thought was more reliable i mean once we introduce the the man of god who wrote the fourth book of the new testament made it up i don't even know what we're talking about anymore
1: yeah well and it's not really a an argument that can be disputed either because uh there there is no methodology around for Christians to figure out which parts of the Bible are true and which aren't. So, I mean what once you start realizing that, you know, some are some parts of the Bible are just made up, then you don't have any way to stem that tide. And so you either have to do what the fundamentalists do and believe that it is completely the word of God and everything of it is true and the earth is 6,000 years old or you're stuck with trying to figure out which parts of it are accurate and which part aren't without any methodology to reliably distinguish fact from fiction.
0: Right. Well, and that's fine. There there are middle grounds that one can take but once you go all the way to they just made it up uh, so that you can have this one thing. I just think I think you've given up the game early on for a lot of people that would be listening to this and would maybe uh, be hanging on the edge of their seats. Uh, but I think they would check out. I, mean, I know that every member of the denomination that I was a part of, had they been listening to the program, they would have checked out at that point. Because they would have said, no, you can't. you can't just accuse... Uh, writers of the Bible of just ball-faced lying about stuff.
1: Well, just because he made it up doesn't mean he was lying about it.
0: <laughs> no, it does. <laughs> so, no, he's, he's, yeah, I mean, he made it up is this didn't happen and this came from his imagination. I'm sorry. This, you can't put it well, this yeah, way. But The members of my of... denomination would not have allowed that kind of spin.
1: <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I've yeah. I've never been religious really so
0: Yeah, no I, I, I understand. You would you know, this all sounds strange and exotic to you, but uh, but believe me, if you are a anything close to uh in an inerrantist or you have a high view of scripture even, uh, you would never say of uh, John that he made it up.
1: And it's always I've always wondered why that is. Because there's no indication at all that, I mean, is it just like indoctrination? They were just told all their lives that that's how it happened. Because I mean, even in the seminary schools, they don't um, they don't teach that uh, John is anything all that special, really.
0: Yeah. So, um, as much as I would love to chase that, because this is a topic that I do understand, <laughs> let me <laughs> let me just move to the next. Um, Note that I had taken. Uh, there was there was no mention uh, of the shroud in the Bible or in early history, and um, this this also bothers me about the shroud. Yeah. So it, it, the reason I was asking about other shrouds, I mean we we should have many many shrouds, uh, burial shrouds. <laughs> And uh, I've never heard of another burial shroud with an image on it. So that said, uh, if normal burial shrouds don't get images like this, and the one that Jesus was wrapped in did get this image, then that should have been the talk of the town. That I mean, there should have been 10 more chapters at the end of each gospel. Because of the shroud, and yet it is it is not uh, mentioned. And so, to me, I know uh, some will immediately say, "Well, the absence of evidence is not the uh, evidence of absence, but it is the evidence of absence when you would expect uh, a certain result, when you have reason to expect that it would be there." And I think that we have good reason to expect that it would be there if this was truly a unique property that proved that Jesus rose from the dead um, so i i I know that you know each side gave their answers but i'm i'm stuck on that point and i can't i can't find a way to get past it
1: well, I would imagine as the Christians get it past it the same way they get past all the raised dead and the temple wall coming asunder and then magically fixing itself right afterwards and um, all the other, you know, star that actually came down into Earth's orbit to shine the way and yet somehow didn't
0: incinerate the planet. Right. But at least all of those stories have in common that they were mentioned in the Bible. So they were made up by someone uh, from an ancient time. The Shroud story wasn't even made up then, so you can some of that. You can say, "Well, there's only one mention of the Bible. That's that, that seems weird." But for the Shroud image, there's zero mentions in the Bible. So I, I just I I'm sorry. I can't I can't get past it. And for those who are listening, maybe you can help me get past that. But as I was listening to the conversation, I was just trying to here's something that would make me get past these first couple of things and nothing was said. I'll I'll give you the last one on my list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was um, Bishop Darcy, question mark. <laughs> so um, I don't know uh, how much you know about Bishop Darcy or if it's necessary to know a lot about Bishop Darcy, but you know, he's the guy who uh, was... Saying the shroud was fake early on, and I think that Hugh made a very compelling case. Uh, they all thought it was fake, um, and Teddy, her only response to that was they were they were being political. You know, they had their internal political reasons uh, for not promoting the shroud, but to me, that is the same as saying they believed it was fake. Uh, because if it doesn't matter what internal political reason you have if you honestly have the image of Christ on uh you know a burial cloth and you could prove it uh and you and you thought that was the case uh you would say so
1: yeah the um the problem with that kind of logic is that um you get into conspiracy think, thinking, and there's no way to defend against conspiracy thinking, because no matter what you say, no matter what happens, it all is proof that the conspiracy happened. And you have to remember that the Middle Ages, it, there were there were like 12 or 13 foreskins of Jesus r- rolling around in the um, Middle Ages. I think the Catholic Church has well, like three or four of was, them. Maybe
0: he was well endowed. <laughs> a few cuts. Yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe, but uh, 12 foreskins worth? <laughs> I'm dubious at best. Um, so, and I think the Catholic Church has like three or four of them. So, it's not like that medieval forgeries weren't prevalent at the time. So, to think that this was a medieval forgery was probably the default um position of anyone in the church, just because they were just so prevalent in the Middle Ages. And I'm not entirely sure that um, because they thought it was a forgery that that's really a um, a compelling argument.
0: Um, well, but what would need to what would need to be added to that is the something that happened later that made them change their mind? Uh, because they they knew it was a forgery, at least in their minds, they knew it was a forgery, and yet they didn 't destroy it they can They continue to use it and keep it for their own purposes. oh yeah, the Catholic
1: Church is very good at that they will um they will keep known forgeries um all the time because it brings in people, and they pretty much in their writings, they pretty much say that.
0: Right, and so I I'd never heard anything that made me get over that hump. Uh, the people who had it uh, at its earliest thought it was crap, uh, and I, I will continue to believe that uh, from not just this discussion but other things that I've read. They didn't they didn't buy it, <laughs> and oh, yeah. they didn't say, well, okay, well they were wrong about it, but when it but they kept it and they used it. Even though they knew, or at least in their minds, they knew it was a forgery, and so yeah. I can never trust anything from that source. That then might turn around and say, "Oh no, no, uh, mea culpa, not a forgery at all, real thing." Keep sending money, keep pouring and- our city. I don't. I. I can never trust that at that point. And so you might say, "Well, it's it's not." uh epistemically uh justifiable to say well just because they didn't believe it doesn't mean it's true but i uh, it I, I would also say that because they didn't believe it it means that i don't have a good reason to believe it either um
1: yeah i guess it depends on whether we've got good documentation that they actually examined it, examined it before um making their decision about it um and that's that also assumes that they have a reliable means to distinguish a real artifact from a fake one and we also know that they were perfectly fine touting forgeries uh showing off forgeries to bring people into the the religion so
0: um yeah, so why should we start or- believing it was not a forgery <laughs> i mean that's you know as and you know the history of the shroud better than i do i mean what is the big turning point in history that that makes you think, okay, the Catholic Church knew it was a forgery, they knew it was a forgery, they were using it cynically, and then, oh, wait a minute, this happened. Now um, we should take more notice of it.
1: Um, I don't think there is really any one thing that did it. I think you get enough people believing it that, that it's real, and eventually that's just sort of the bubble that you exist in.
0: Right, but we know that the people started believing that it was real because of a lie. <laughs> so, it, you know, it, I, once again, maybe it is real, but I would say that its province, uh, providence is so murky at this point, uh, I don't think that I could ever be convinced of it. Uh, if if the way it got its start was as a fraud, it's it's like any fraud today. You know, um, the, uh, the old... Uh, Egyptian prince uh, who has a fortune and just needs to launder it uh, to the US or somehow and uh, you know you just need to send him enough money to get it out of that you know whatever, whatever the scam uh, is of the week uh, that might be true so one of those may have been true at some point <laughs> you know as as many times have been done Who who knows but we have no good reason to ever believe it
1: well yeah but I feel the same way about religion too so <laughs>
0: um well, right so I'm I'm just saying even if there happens to be a legitimate uh Ethiopian prince uh who, who wants to send email out to people to to get help uh I would say that that, that card has been played already And he's going to have to come up with something else besides a story because it is, at this point, legitimate to disbelieve it. Just, just prima facie.
1: Well, I I think if we're talking reasonableness, uh, which is what the show is about, then I think you're absolutely right. I think it is reasonable to, um, to start off in that position just because that's what the odds are. I mean, we had thousands of forgeries in the middle ages for not just christianity but all the different uh, religions so there's no reason to think that this one is i mean just the odds of it being um, authentic at the outset are so minuscule that you have a uh, if you want to show it's reasonable to believe that it's authentic then you really do have a long ways to go
0: So that's, look, those are all the notes I have. These are, I think I wrote these down because these are the kinds of things that still, after a conversation as in-depth as the one that we just had, uh, these are the the things that still rattle around in my head. And uh, whether they should or not, they still are more convincing to me than anything I've heard about blood splatters.
1: Yeah, well, it's one of those things that Well, yeah, because you don't have, you don't have any link from the blood spatters to a supernatural event. And that's the main problem the appendicitis has. Um, They're trying to make this link that doesn't, that they can't demonstrate actually exists. So as much as they love to talk about, you know, the image and the carbon dating and the blood splatter and all this other stuff, until they can make that link to the supernatural, I mean... All they're saying basically is, in our modern age, we haven't figured out how these people made it yet, and then there's nowhere to go from there until they can provide a link from that to, okay, but this is what the supernatural can do. Um, and so, we have this methodology that the supernatural could create these images where the natural couldn't, you know, then they might, then they have a link to it being authentic, but they just don't
0: have that. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conclude my uh, bit here. I, in fact, let me just ask, what what did you have uh, for your notes?
1: Um, well, a lot of mine was, you know, in the claims that were being made. Um, because when you hear two people um, making a bunch of claims on a podcast like this, one of the reasons it's so hard to follow is because no one has access to the same materials that convinced uh, the two uh, uh, people talking of their position. So they're basically just being told um, the conclusion without having any indication of how they actually got to that conclusion. And I think that's really hard um, to do on a podcast. Um, it's one of the reasons that I, I'm not a huge fan of debate debates because it's basically just a bunch of claims going one way or the other. Um, as an example, like, Are you
0: familiar with the um ancient aliens? Uh which ones? You mean the ones that um uh came and made the Egyptian temples or Yeah, basically.
1: Um but anyways, the logic behind Stargate. Yeah. The um So the logic the logic behind that movement is that we have uh some of these Huge uh, sites that have these megalith stones that the locals could not have possibly moved around, or or at least that's the claim, uh, or created. um, So they needed, you know, extraterrestrial help in order to make these sites. And it's sort of funny because there's one of these sites um, where they say the stone was too hard. The stone was a certain type; it was too hard for the bronze. uh, age uh, tools to to uh, to carve is too precise it's too um, smooth you know you don't see the tool marks so it must have been aliens that came down and made these stone uh, uh, structures Well the problem with the this claim is that the stone that it's made out of is not what the ancient aliens is claiming it is it's a much softer stone we have the actual tools that they were using in half-used or half-completed um, stone structures. Um, we've got the writings of how they did it. We've got uh, they. You can even go down and uh, do it yourself because they've got a little museum there that you can actually go in and play with a little bit. And so the entire claim from front, uh, from beginning to end. Is just bogus for, uh, and then the ancient aliens are using uh, proponents are using this claim to try to prove their point. And I noticed that it's sort of the same thing with the shroud proponents, because uh, uh, Teddy said a couple times that um, no paint, dye, or stain um, can account for the shroud. Well, when you actually look into that claim, you realize that it's not exactly true. What they mean is that no paint, dye, or um, stain that the person doing the experiment thought of or knew the capabilities of how it would react with the fibers could do it. And so, as Hugh was pointing out, there are a lot of things that the medieval um, artists were doing that most modern day artists um and scientists were not aware of. So when she's when she says uh, things like, you know, we know that this can't be done, that's not entirely accurate. Um all it is is that the things that we've tried and we know about um have been
0: subjectively ruled out. Um so what you're describing for me is, uh, I think, going to be my ultimate sticking point throughout the series. And I, I continue to try to get over these things that I know are sticking points and try to listen to what's being said uh, in as open with as open a mind as possible. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the entire Shroud argument is just a giant argument for ignorance. It's a fallacy. And um, it it is um the most trivial of arguments for me uh whenever whenever an argument comes down to i can't imagine how blank um and at that point i just don't care i don't care what's in the blank i don't care what the other parts of the equation are um there are lots of things that um people can do that we can't figure out how they do it yeah you know today forget back then and then you know we have this persistent problem uh the the arrogance of the incumbent who thinks that they know more and are smarter than more capable than whoever came before them mm-hmm. uh and so we have this this is played out with every generation <laughs> going back to cavemen uh and so you know, you get a few generations removed and you can always say, well, I don't know how they would ever come up with blank. Uh, and so we we always have an inflated sense of our capabilities and a deflated sense of the capabilities of the people who've come before us. Uh, so it is simply because I do not know how, You know, someone put an image uh, on a cloth with these properties does not make me wonder about it or spend my life trying to solve the puzzle. You know, if someone else wants to spend their life trying to solve the puzzle, it's fine. But there's nothing that compels me because I am not surprised that they could do some things that we can't figure out how to do. Uh, We have a different set of tools. We have a different world to manipulate. And quite frankly, necessity is the mother of invention. We don't have the same necessities as they did. You know, if we want to put an image on a cloth, we could do it a lot better today, Mm -hmm. you know. We wouldn't think it wouldn't occur to us to uh, do whatever they did. And we may not even have the, the materials that, you know, some... Desert dweller had uh, six hundred years ago. You know, I have I have no idea. We don't. We would. It. It's just uh, trivial to me to consider that people from ages ago could do a thing that I cannot reproduce today. And and so that nothing about that makes me think that this is a miracle. Let me let me just close with this, and I, I'll give you the last word, uh, Teddy's argument is not um unique other christians argue this way too but she's got the god question on one side so you've got the god question and you you can't decide whether or not there's a god and then you've got the shroud question on the other side and you don't have an answer to the shroud and so her equation goes if you can't figure out either god or the shroud then it's god and, and somehow that's it. Somehow you're compelled to make a decision, and the decision you have to make is based on can you figure out how the shroud was done or not? And and if you if you can, then you're wrong. And if you can't, then you have to go back to the God question and choose for God. Uh, this is how the fallacy uh, the the uh, the fallacy of uh, ignorance works. <laughs> this is what it is. It's a very classic case. And so as long as the shroud question just looks like that fallacy writ large, it's going to be very hard for me to take the college level courses needed to understand the details when that's the shape of the argument.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, it's, it really boils down to the same thing for me as well. When, when, you have, uh, when you're talking about the reasonableness to believe something, you have to, in my mind, you have to look at the underlying logic. Um, because if you are going to use the logic that because we can't figure it out using natural means, that means uh, God did it then you have, if you're going to be consistent, then you also have to apply that logic, you know, however fallacious it is, to the God question as well. And you all, not only can you not um, figure out how it was done naturally, you also can't figure out how it was done supernaturally. So, if you're using that logic, then you have to say, well, I can't figure out how it was done supernaturally, therefore it was done naturally. And that's, why that lot, that line of thinking is so fallacious because it works equally well equally well on both sides and tells you absolutely nothing about what is actually true even if everything that teddy comes up with in this series is accurate and true and 100% correct all she's really getting to is we don't know how it was done naturally we don't know and then there is no there is nothing at all to um, say okay well what's there's nothing there's no way to take the next step and say okay well if it wasn't done naturally how is it done supernaturally and you have to take that next step if you're going to make it reasonable to believe that the supernatural does, does it otherwise you're just stuck in I don't know so that's
0: yeah, there's there's some there's some more stuff that I'll I'll say online. I hope that uh, everyone enjoyed the show and the after show. Darren, will you uh, be willing to do this again when the other two are ready to regroup? And sure, absolutely. Yeah, um, I'll try to retain more of the technical stuff, but right now I just I haven't been given a good reason to do that much technical research, uh, for this. And I, I guess, uh, you know, it's, it's not like it's beyond me to, to go out there and do it or get a, get a minor degree in biology so I can understand this stuff or ancient art. But right now I just haven't been given a good enough reason yet. And so we'll, we'll see how this, um, unfolds. Uh, so, Uh, Again, thanks uh, for your time. And um, thank you, audience, for listening. And uh, if you have any words of encouragement to help me get through some of the roadblocks that I have, or if you just want to yell at Darren and tell him he's wrong about everything that he believes and thinks, um, then uh, you can do that. skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com You can uh, shoot an email at skepticsandseekers. Uh, dot uh, gmail.com and uh, look out for uh, the program i uh, was on unbelievable um, it will be aired uh, on easter uh, weekend and i will probably do a replay and a director's commentary on that uh, podcast so uh, that might also get added to this particular feed as a uh, as a third podcast, who knows? It's Easter. Easter miracles can happen. We'll, we'll talk to you later.